Welcome to episode 116 of Decentralized Revolution, a podcast from the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus and Mises PAC. I'm Liam McCollum and I'm your host for today. And my guest is Jeremy Corden. He is the president of Goldback Inc. And the Goldback is described as the world's first physical interchangeable gold money that is designed to accommodate even small transactions. We talk about the use case of Goldbacks and why Jeremy believes goldbacks are a better alternative to fiat currency and even gold and silver coins. Uh, we also talk a little bit about cryptocurrency. Um, I really hope you enjoy this one. And, and here's the interview with Jeremy. All right, well, let's get into it. Why don't you just tell people who you are and what you do? So my name is Jeremy. I'm the president of Goldback. I make goldbacks so that people can have the option of using sound money. So what are goldbacks for people who don't know what they are? Well, I've got this goldback wallet here. So a goldback is a thousandth of an ounce of gold in a form that you can carry. This one's a 50. It's got 50 times the amount of gold in it. Costs 50 times as much as this guy. This is a thousandth of an ounce of gold. And people are using this as money instead of Federal Reserve notes. How many denominations do you have? So you had a 50 and then was that a one that you just held? Yeah, that was a one. So we've also got, since this is a video, this one's a 25. Uh, this one is a, this one's a Nevada 10. Okay. And then this one's a, this one's a Utah five. So how many states are you guys in then? So goldbacks are in every state in the sense that they're sold and used in every state. Uh, but goldback states, there are four currently, and there's going to be five this year. Um, so we've got Nevada has their own series. Utah has their own series. New Hampshire has their own series. And the latest one was Wyoming. Actually, while you have them out uh, right now, why don't, why don't you just show them up again and maybe explain a little bit about the artwork? Because um, sure. obviously one of the um, uh, draws to Goldbacks is how beautiful they are. Um, sure. And the artwork is very interesting. I have a couple at home. Um, but yeah, why, why don't you explain like the, the symbolism behind them and uh, how they vary? Okay. Well, if you had a 20th of an ounce gold coin, it'd be a little smaller than a dime. Uh, this is also a 20th of an ounce of gold. And I think part of the reason why gold is money and why it's always been money is because it's very visually impressive to look at. You know, people like gold. They like the beauty of it. It's not just that it's rare and has all the features of money. It's there's something very attractive about gold that lends us to using half of all the gold mined, uh, you know, into crafting jewelry, right? So, you know, the gold back, it really allows you to see more of your gold that you own. And again, for a 20th of an ounce, this could be, you know, this might have, oh, I don't know, 80 times the surface area that a gold coin would have of the same weight. And this is the, this is the biggest gold back there is. This is the 50. So for the Utah, you know, every, every series has their own art work that's lady virtues which is you know it's like a roman idea you know it's the personification of uh ideals and virtues i guess so this is libertas this is liberty and this is the utah one so she you got her standing in front of bear lake 
that's in northern Utah, and she's sitting there with a, a mountain lion. It's got all, you know, there's probably 20 different elements of their 50s for the other states. So, you know, Utah 25, kind of the same thing. When we're voting in Utah a lot earlier than the rest of the country, um, you know, they're counting votes since 1870 for women. Uh, I think Wyoming had Utah beat by like a year, but it's really controversial and like how that's counted. So we didn't know that we we're going to do a Wyoming gold back when we made the Utah one. And then this is the Nevada 10. I don't think this is the redesign. The redesign came out in 2023. Looks a lot better. And this is the fives. This one's Truth, Veritas. And she's carrying a Bible there and a light. And then you've got Prudence, and she's a Native American on the Utah series. And she has symbolism from all the different Native American tribes in Utah. So obviously the the de denominations weigh or vary in size, right? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I mean they have to. I couldn't I couldn't fit a twentieth of a twentieth of an ounce of gold into something this small. And if I made this is the fifty here. If I made the one as big as the fifty, the fifty would be transparent, and that necessitated you know making them different sizes. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about the interchangeability of the goldbacks? I know that that's one of the um, value propositions of of goldbacks, um, sure. As opposed to like just regular coins. All right, Liam. Let's say you wanted to use coins. We're all we're all back to coins now. You know, they go down to like a tenth of an ounce. You know, as far as gold eagles go. Well, a tenth of an ounce is, you know, it's over two hundred bucks. You know, and if you look at the premium on tenth ounce coins, I mean, they're yeah, that could be like forty percent. But that's not the same premium on a one ounce coin, right? So it's like if I paid you a one ounce gold coin and you owed me eight tenth ounce coins, you, like the values don't quite add up. So I don't I don't think there's any serious people that actually use gold coins and change in gold coins just because of those premium differences. Whereas if you're using cash, it's really easy, right? So, you know, we take that easiness of cash to gold back where, you know, this 50 here, you can turn this in for 50 ones. It's the same premium across the board, or you can change it in for, you know, 10 fives or, you know, whatever, you know, it's an interchangeability makes them very cash like, you know, so like UPMA or Alpine gold, for example, you, know, you can have an account denominated in gold backs and you can just request the gold backs that you want out of it, you know, and it doesn't matter because they're all interchangeable, just like the dollars at your bank. Right. You know, who knows if you have hundred dollars or fifty dollar bills or twenty dollar bills at the bank, you can just ask for whatever you want. So it's irrelevant, you know, so that that also exists for gold backs. And it's great for making change or exact purchases. So, yeah, I feel like people might be a little interested in, in your ideological background. Um, were you are you a libertarian? And was there a point where uh, you were persuaded by Austrian economics. Um, I, I've listened to a few interviews of yours, mm -hmm. and um, I'm just interested in what initially grabbed you about these ideas. So I, I was a Ron Paul delegate in 2011. I see your I see your sign in the background. Um, so I, I was part of that campaign, uh, campaign for liberty. I was a I was a poster on the Daily Paul back when that was a place. Um, 
you know, I think Ron Paul really spoke to me and he talked a lot about sound money. And I think that's what really got me sucked into precious metals was, you know, this kind of worry about inflation and this return to using sound money and figuring out what that would look like. Um, yeah, it was fun. I actually talked to Ron Paul recently and was showing him gold backs and I got to thank him for, you know, sparking the interest in sound money. That's awesome. Um, do you know if there was a particular argument um, that, that drew you in? I, I remember I actually read and the Fed and that's what really woke me up to all of this. I particularly learning about fractional reserve banking, I think is what woke me up to it all. Okay. Um, you know, in terms of something that really got me excited, it, I found a series is called the secret hidden, no, the hidden secrets of money by Mike Maloney. And, you know, it's a bit of a pitch, you know, he's selling gold and silver, but he does a really good job in his first four episodes, just talking about the history of money and how the financial system works. You know, it talks about the fed, how the banking works, you know, what cash is nowadays. And, you know, I think his thesis is he, if he has one is, well, you know, fiat currencies always fail and gold has always been kind of the, the real money when, you know, everything else fails. So if you're worried about things failing and you should be worried about it, then you should own some gold so you can buy into whatever the new system is. Now, you know, we took that a step further and said, well, what if the new system, you know, what if we could get central banks doing this? I mean, the central banks, they own 20% of the world's gold. They're not doing much with it, you know, and their job is to make something that circulates and works. So if the fiat system falls apart anyway, they may as well do something like this. And, you know, I mean, the gold back in a big way is a pilot, you know, will these wear out? Will people actually use them? Do people want them? Is, is there a demand for sound money? You know, how will they circulate? How will they do in the market? You know, and so far, you know, the gold back experiment has been going really well. You know, we've seen a whole lot of growth and, you know, I'd say there's more gold backs that have been sold than all the other 2000 local currencies in the U.S. history combined. You know, it's been wildly successful. There's not there hasn't been another similar sound money project, you know, with anywhere near the same degree of success as the gold back in the last 70 years that we can see. So what what originally inspired you to um start the gold backs. I mean, you were interested in these ideas, but what were the events that, that preceded it? You know, I was doing a gold cryptocurrency um, at a partner. His name's Larry Hilton. He wrote the Utah Legal Tender Act in 2011 that became a model for a dozen other states to pass similar laws where the state is recognizing that gold and silver are money. You know, Larry, he's an attorney. He, he is also inspired by Ron Paul. So he drafted this bill and got it passed by the Utah legislature in the same year that I was, you know, a, a delegate. And I, I ran to be a delegate for Ron Paul. I didn't end up being a statewide delegate as a, I ended up being a county delegate because I failed. <laughs> but I but I tried, you know, um, and that got me really interested in local politics. But it was years later after starting to work for Larry that we did a, a gold cryptocurrency. And the idea behind the gold cryptocurrency was, well, we have this cryptocurrency, it's backed by gold, and it's a thousandth of an ounce. And while I was doing this, um, I'd go to trade shows, and people would tell me, they'd say, oh, you know, it's not that I don't trust you, it's I don't trust the government, you know, if you're 
crypto does so well, they'll roll in through your walls with tanks and they'll take all the gold that backs the crypto. And, you know, they're not going to put up with, you know, you, you know, doing something like that. And that's when I found Valorum. And this is the kind of stuff they used to make. This is our manufacturing company. So this is one that I bought from them. If I see the date on here in 2018. And I thought this was really fascinating because what it is, is it's a very small amount of gold, you know, in a bill like form that can be spent. And, you know, they're just a small startup. I, I helped them raise some capital and was able to build a relationship with them. And, you know, it might have been, you know, six months after that, that it fully hit me that, you know, having an interchangeable series of these could be money. You know, they'd never gone that small before with the one denomination and they'd never gone that big before with the 50. So it was really a, an engineering, a technical engineering push. Um, but once they're able to do that, you know, I mean, you know, we're off to the races. What specifically does the Utah Legal Tender Act do? Um, what, what can you tell us about that? And I guess, like, what laws are you looking for in states before you introduce um, a, a new gold back? I, I know before we hit record, you were you were talking about um, sure. potentially bringing them to Montana. So uh, what laws should we try to introduce here? You know what? Um, that's a really good question. That's a fair question. There's a lot of states that are interested in gold backs. Um, something to understand about gold backs is it doesn't say the United States gold back, right? There's a state name at the top, you know, for, for this one, or there's a state name at the top for, for this one, you know, it's Nevada, it's New Hampshire, it's Wyoming, it's Utah. There's always a state name associated with it because at the federal level, making your own money is illegal. You can't do this unless otherwise authorized by state law. So the state has to be supportive. They have to have laws in place that allow you to have something like this. Now, the state can change their laws at any time, right? So even if we do find a law that works in, say, New York, do you think that New York would be friendly to having a gold back circulate in their state? Well, maybe they wouldn't, maybe they won't, but their track history is really poor regarding precious metals. So the Sound Money um, Defense League they have, a, they have a tracker for states and they kind of rank how well they do with their precious metals laws. And you'll notice that of the four goldbacked states, that four of the goldbacked states are in the top six uh, spots for state-friendly laws regarding precious metals. Now, I don't know where Montana is. I think they're number 15 or something. So there's things that states can do that signal that they're really friendly to precious metals because if we're going to go through the trouble of making a gold back in that state, we don't want the state to change their laws and make it illegal for us to have. Because then we'd have to take them out of print and, you know, I mean, that'd be the end and, you know, that'd be real sad, right? Um, so that's what the gold back is. It's not a it's not a national thing. It's a, it's a series of local state currencies. Now, the law that we happen to use right now works, I believe, in all 50 states. So if you read the bottom here, says this gold back contains 120th of an ounce of 24 karat gold exchangeable by Goldback Inc. in U.S. gold coin to bearer on demand. 
So in essence, what this is, is it's a promissory note for a gold coin that's minted by the U.S. government. If you had 20 of these, if you have a thousand gold backs of any denomination, you can turn them in for a one ounce U.S. minted gold coin. Now, this is the same law, the, univer the Uniform Commercial Code, that's used that makes Walmart gift cards legal. Or really any coupon. You know, you ever read a coupon and it says this has a cash value of a penny? You ever see that? That's basically what this is. We're saying this is a gold coupon for a gold coin that is legal tender, that is minted by the U.S. government. By the way, the coupon itself is made out of gold. That's legal in every state. We patented that. We're really proud of that. So, you know, that's that's how the uh, that's how the gold back works. So we could we could do these anywhere, and we might end up doing them everywhere. But right now, we're you know we're only adding you know one or two states a year, and we're going to be doing it really gradually. And it's just it's hard for us to make enough of these. You know, ninety percent of gold backs sell outside of the four goldback states. But, you know, if you live in Utah, you're 10 times more likely to buy a Utah goldback than a guy that lives in Colorado. You know, people get really excited when goldbacks come to their state because they want to circulate them and they want to use them as money. And, you know, we offer a lot of support for people that want to do that. Are you also trying to look for states that um, exempt gold from like a sales tax or something like that? Oh, 100%. If you have a sales tax on gold, even if we can legally do a gold back there, why would we? You know, so we've got, I think there's like a dozen states that have sales tax on gold that, you know, they're just, we can't really touch them. And, you know, in their defense, you know, we have like Tennessee, they just dropped their sales tax on gold, you know? So, you know, they're a, they're a possible state now, whereas before Tennessee wasn't. And it's not even like a red state, blue state thing. You know, one of the most friendly states to precious metal is New Hampshire. Another one's Nevada. And people might not have guessed that, you know, those aren't necessarily red states. Those are more purple states. Um, so. So can we talk a little bit about how they're taking hold and um, how popular they are? So, sure. I mean, it might be like a crazy sales pitch to, you know, the random person to say, hey, we need to ditch the dollar and accept gold. So, I mean, are, are people embracing them just because of the novelty, the beauty, the beauty of it, or are you finding that people are understanding the problems of our monetary policy on, on the ground? How, how are you selling this to just the average person? And I guess, what is the elevator pitch? Okay, sure. So, you know, I took out the company to lunch today. We went to a, a Brazilian restaurant and at the end, you know, we, we stuck some gold backs you know, as part of a tip, right? You know, so the waiter is looking at it and they're pulling this out and I explain it to them and I say, well, look, you know, this is gold. You know, this is a thousandth of an ounce and it's always going to have value. In fact, you know, the gold back, they've doubled in value in terms of dollars in the last four years. You know, because all the money right now that you have suffers through inflation. And this is something that, you know, you can use in Utah and it's money here. Oh, that's so exciting. This is like my third gold back tip that I've received. You know, oh, what do you do with them? Oh, well, I think they're amazing. I save them and you know, I'm thinking about buying some, you know, so people out of the last six people I've talked to in the wild in the last few days about gold backs, out of the last six, four of them had already heard of gold backs. 
So we're having a lot of market penetration in Utah where, you know, even like entry level workers, you know, people that aren't into precious metals, young people, you know, kind of the more regular folk, not the libertarians, not the, you know, precious metal stackers community. They're finding gold backs. And in a powerful way, it's it's introducing them to the world of precious metal. Um, you know, this is particularly important for, you know, millennials. You know, it's like every generation older you go, you see more and more interest in precious metals. Well, you know, the baby boomers, they use precious metals. It was part of their money supply. You know, it's near and dear to them. You know, something that was really eye-opening to me, I was talking to one of the former directors of the U.S. Mint. And he said, I think it was Moy. He said the goal of the U.S. Mint when he became in charge was to only lose a quarter million customers a year. Have you heard this, Liam? No. you imagine having the goal of your business to only lo- be to only lose a quarter million customers a year? So he said, well, why, you know, like, what's going on? It's Ed Moy, I think. What's going on? You know, why, why is that the goal? Well, they're aging out. You ever go to a coin show? You know, the average age there is probably 75. There's a lot of people there, you know, and walkers and they're old. and They're looking for that one last Morgan. Those things were connected to their generation. Their generation was connected to, you know, Morgan dollars. Their generation was connected to gold and silver. And they're aging out. Now you have a smaller number of them that have more money that are buying more gold coins and that's propping up the whole market, but there's fewer customers. You know, we've lost half of our coin stores in Utah over the last 20 years. It's a shrinking space. Now you contrast that with gold back. We've added a million people to the market. Yeah, we have a million people that own gold backs after four years, three of those people are brand new to precious metals. We've almost single-handedly plugged the gap in growth that needs to happen in precious metals just through our product. Because you know the average person can afford $4 worth of gold. Oh, and by the way, you're not gonna lose this. And it makes sense and it's visually appealing, right? You know, so most of the people that own gold backs, they're young people. You know, they're between the ages of, you know, 20 and 45. You know, it's a lot of that millennial generation, you know, are owning goldbacks and understanding them and spreading them. And that gives me a lot of hope for goldbacks future. So that's that's kind of what we're seeing in terms of growth. Um, and, you know, we've been able to sell just about every goldback, you know, that we could produce, you know, and that's been true for years. So it's it's been going really good. You, you had mentioned earlier that you first got into this by um, starting a, a gold bag crypto, cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and younger people are definitely very interested in cryptocurrency too. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas people like Peter Schiff have been opposed to cryptocurrencies, but they have, but he has said that if any cryptocurrency is to be successful, it will be backed by gold. Um, so I'm wondering what you think about cryptocurrency in, in general. Um, are you all in on goldbacks or do you also see value in crypto? Um, do you see value in gold coins, silver coins, or are you hundred percent in 
on on gold bags. You know, I think they all have their use cases, and I think that a lot of them are trying to accomplish the same thing, and that's giving people alternatives to Federal Reserve notes. You know, there's pros and cons to crypto. I've got $40,000 worth of Tezos that I don't have the password for. <laughs> you know, it's just gone. You know, it's like I lost it on my couch. You know, it's just gone forever. And, you know, that's a whole box of gold backs. You know, I, I probably wouldn't lose a box of gold backs. Right. Um, but, you know, if I did have that Tezos password, I could transfer it almost instantaneously to you across the country. And I can't do that as easily with gold backs right now. Uh, but we might have a gold backed cryptocurrency in the next year or two. You know, so. You know, all wealth management is, is risk management. You know, every, every, everything comes with its own pros and cons and its own set of risks. And I've made, I've made a lot of money doing cryptocurrency. You know, I was in cryptocurrency early and I've, I've done really well with it, but again, it's a different type of thing or I own silver too, but again, it's a different type of investment. I own silver because I think it's an undervalued industrial metal. You know, I think at some point silver could be about as valuable as gold is. And at that point, we'll probably be doing silver backs as a currency, too. We're already doing silver backs as kind of like a like a novelty item, you know, like a limited edition collectible. You ever see a silver back? No, I haven't. Check it out. I was going to ask about them. Check it out. So are these so shiny? It's like hard to show here. This is one of the limited edition silver backs. Did you create these as well? Yep. Yeah, I was going to ask about them. Um, I didn't know they they were a thing. Yep, they're a thing. So there's only 100,000 ever made. We've only printed like the first half so far. But they've sold out really well. You know, this purple one here, it's uh, this design. You know, there's only 1,000 of these ones. I think the last one sold on eBay for like 600 bucks. So are those by state as well or are they nope, just limited? It's, just a, it's just a limited edition collectible. There's only a finite amount. It's kind of like Bitcoin. There's only a finite amount. You know, they got serial numbers on them, you know, so this one right here, it's 853 out of 100,000. So you can kind of see that right here. But people are buying them because they're cool, you know, and they're they're finite. You know, it's collectible, like I said, because if you think about it, it's two cents worth of silver. That's a thousandth of an ounce. Yeah, that's not that's not the most effective way to buy silver right now, if your goal is to buy silver. But again, you know, if you're buying a collectible that's appreciable in value, that's a lot more similar to cryptocurrency or like an NFT. So that's that's our other product there. So um, are are people using this as you had mentioned that that restaurants are accepting these in Utah, but uh, elsewhere are are people using this as money or are they holding it as um, just like an appreciative asset? Uh, do you foresee that this will be used as money or just something that people will invest in and, and hold it's it's both you know and it's it's anecdotal because once i sell a gold back i don't really know what happens to it unless somebody tells me but then i get these stories and you know often from all over the world you know i got one the other day someone bought a pizza with gold backs in israel like okay well you know i mean they could barter with gold right you know and it's a small amount of gold and they can trade it for somebody that sees the value in owning gold because gold backs at the end of the day they're just gold it's just a much more useful way to use gold and spend gold. You know, we've made gold more high tech. This is vacuum deposition. This is this is the same level of technology that puts gold in your cell phone or or the microchips in your car. You know, this is fancy stuff. You know, there's 
I would put out there that there's not a more high tech product, gold product out there that's, you know, mass sold for its value. You know, so it's it's nice stuff, you know, no one's ever been able to counterfeit it. Um, you know, and people they see the value, you know, and they want to have money that holds its value and works. So it's it's done really well, you know. Sound money sound money is popular. So this question is related to the technology. What, what else can you say um, about the technology and how this is less likely to be counterfeited as opposed to just regular gold coins? Well, the technology to make gold coins has been out for a long time, right? So for $30,000, I can get myself a press and I can get myself fake blanks, you know, a tungsten in the middle. And I can get started making fakes tomorrow. And a lot of people do, you know, our market's getting flooded with fakes from China. That's why the, the Sigma machines are getting so popular. You know, people can't really trust that their gold coin is coins are real. And the counterfeiters are getting better and better at making fakes. And again, the technology, it's been out for hundreds of years. And, you know, it's a very low price and barrier to entry. And if you pull off a fake gold coin, I mean, you made 1900 bucks, you know, so you know, contrast that with the gold back. Yeah, this guy here, this is a $4 product, right? Most $4 products aren't counterfeited. But if you look at this thing, oh, I guess you can argue the 50. So if you look at this guy here, we've got six anti-counterfeiting features on there. You've got these non-repeating patterns. You've got this negative image on the back that's really hard to replicate. You have a unique serial number, you know, on every single one that you can authenticate through a third party. But... You know, the other thing with these is you're looking at about $5 million worth of equipment just to be able to make something that looks like this, right? And then you have to get past all these kind of government level anti-security, you know, anti-counterfeiting features, you know? So nobody's done it. It's like, what would you rather do if you're a counterfeiter? Would you rather counterfeit these things and make 200 bucks a piece, you know, if you can pass them off as real, which maybe you can't, or spend $30,000 and everything you counterfeit and pass off is worth $1,900. See what I'm saying? It's like, you know, also it took, you know, decades to develop the technology to the point where it was this nice, you know, so there's, there's a learning curve at that point, you know, if you're that determined to counterfeit gold backs, you should just make a competing company and make even more money. You know, it's like, I think, I think counterfeiters are slackers, you know, they're not, they're not looking to make an honest dollar. So in, in another interview, you said that goldbacks are legal in some capacity in, in every state. And this is mm -hmm. because of uniform commercial code. Um, yep. I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit about that. And I also have another interest in, in the UCC because I, um, I worked on Capitol Hill here in Montana. And um, the most recent uniform commercial code had language in it that a lot of people were afraid about because uh, uh, it, it seemed to be a pathway to CBDCs. Um, so I'm interested in, in both of those things and your perspective on it. You know, I'm just speculating, but I think the people that are pushing CBDCs are looking at doing that at the state level. You know, we've seen similar things in South Dakota where there was language that essentially banned a cryptocurrency in the state of South Dakota and promoted central bank digital currencies. And it's just kind of snuck into the uniform commercial code. Now, if you're seeing that in Montana, I don't know you know, how big that effort is and how many different states they're trying to do that in. 
but you can see why it's a big deal for us to be working with legislature, legislature, legislatures, legislatures, legislatures that are friendly to precious metal because you know, even this tie-in that we have to the uniform commercial code that works today for coupons, you know, they could they could change it at any moment and make it not work for gold back, right? And that's why we're starting and, and working in these really gold friendly states. Because yeah, I mean technically we could well it'd be nice if we can get a gold back in every state. But again, you have to find these state level laws to work through. So every gold back, you know, and this is really more relevant from a regulatory standpoint, but you'd classify it. And you can read this here. It's so shiny. I probably shouldn't even try to do this. It's a specie legal tender instrument. So it's not legal tender. It's specie because it ties into these $50 gold coins minted by the government. It's an instrument because you turn this in for set gold coins. Like I said, it's like having a coupon for you know, that has like a five cent redemption value, but the coupon itself is made out of precious metal, you know? And again, that just gives it um, something for regulators to categorize it under, right? Because this is so new and so different that I think it would be hard to figure out what it was from a regulatory perspective if we didn't do that. Especially so since we encourage people to, you know, barter with it and use it like money. Have you seen any states um, that are explicitly hostile to gold backs? Has, has any state introduced legislation that appeared to target them specifically? No, um, but if somebody updated the Uniform Commercial Code in their state to exclude gold backs, it could have happened without us even noticing. So, I mean, possibly if there are states that have sales taxes on precious metals, and there are several states that do, or there's a bunch, then we don't really want to be there anyway. So we're not... We're not ready to be in 50 states. And from a production standpoint, we're super not ready to be in 50 states. It's not an accident that our newest state is going to be South Dakota and that our last state was Wyoming. You know, these are low population states that we think we can manage. You know, I think we would like to do, uh, you know, a couple bigger states. But, you know, we're trying to get our production up higher before we bite off that much. Why, why did you go to South Dakota? What does it look like for you when you're prospecting for new states? Are you trying to identify maybe like um, businesses that would accept them in the state or what is the first thing you're looking for? Well, we do want to have a business network in each of these states. And that's something that you can do if you're a business owner. You can go to goldback.com. And even if we're not in your state, you can sign up your business to accept goldbacks. And if you do that, then it makes it easier for us to go to your state later. Yeah, we've got a few dozen businesses that have already signed up in Texas, for example. Okay, you know, that's a good start. You know, we probably need a few hundred. But the fact that people are organically doing this makes it far easier for us to go into these other states at a later date. Uh, you know, we also have people that decide to get involved by becoming authorized partners. They run around and they help assign business up, businesses up in these states. You know, so we're looking for authorized partners in Texas and Idaho and South Dakota you know, to help us really kind of get these business networks going. Um, so it looks like that. And then the other thing that's really helpful for us is if we can get a state sponsor. Now, the state sponsor doesn't cover the whole thing, but really what a sponsor does is they come in with their own pile of gold backs that they buy from us, and then they lend them to us to use the cycling inventory. And we'll pay them a return for leasing us the gold backs. 
So there's people that own upwards of a million dollars worth of gold backs. They're getting a three and a half percent return on their gold backs by leasing them back to us. And then they have all the appreciation in gold that they get to keep because they, you know, it's a lease. And that's how we're going into a lot of these new states. So South Dakota, um, if you look at the list, I think they're the second most friendly state for precious metals in the country. So they have that going for them. But they also had a sponsor that wanted to see the South Dakota happen, uh, Goldback Series happen. So we did the artwork. And like I said, now it's coming out later this year. We don't have a release date yet, but we believe it's going to be probably sometime in the last quarter of the year. I'm wondering if you've seen an uptick in interest over the last couple of years with um, the, the recent talk about inflation, uh, obviously Silicon Valley Bank um, going under. Uh, I mean, I, I remember, I think it was like 2019, I probably read and the Fed and I was talking about inflation all the time to my family, um, started to sound like the boy who cried wolf and hmm. seemed very crazy. Uh, to my family members. And now um, inflation is in the news almost every day. Um, so I'm wondering if if you've seen an uptick in interest and in, in sales. You know what? Um, if you go to the end of 2022, we sold between 2019 and 2022, about $50 million worth of gold backs, which is a lot. I mean, to give you context, I mean, I think the second most successful local currency in American history sold $7 million worth. So 50 million is huge in the, like the local currency kind of world. Now for 2023, we're almost halfway through this year. We're on track right now at the halfway point to have sold over $20 million worth of gold backs. I think that we could sell possibly between 40 and $50 million worth of gold backs by the end of 2023. So we might double the amount of all the gold backs previously sold in one year. And in 2024, if, you know, if we can get the production, I think we'll do it again. I think we could sell a hundred million dollars worth of gold backs next year, which would be double all the gold backs ever sold, you know, between 2019 and 2023. So we're really seeing that type of growth. You know, there, there's a few people that they get really hung up on goldback premiums. You know, I mean, you're paying double spot for these guys. And there's a lot of people in the precious metal space that have been taught for 50 years that any kind of premium that you pay is just money down the drain. And they won't buy goldbacks because there's a premium on them. So what they do instead is they use cash and I don't know if you're familiar with this product or not. It's this guy right here. What's the premium on it? What's the melt value? Zero, right? Zero, yeah. Yeah, zero. If you burn this up, I mean, there's nothing. There's no gold in it. It's zero. So this is what people will use instead of gold backs that are upset by premiums on gold backs. The reason why people use these is because they have utility value, right? You're, you're willing to take a $100 bill because somebody else will give you $100 worth of value for it for now. 
and the utility of having a money that works is huge. You know, it's a multi-trillion dollar market. Oh, that I lose you. Yeah, my uh, mic was just unplugged. Can you hear me? No, oh, I can hear you. Okay. okay, great. Well, the utility value of the $100 bill, it's huge. You know, like I said, this is a multi-trillion dollar market because having a money that other people accept is a big deal. Now, what's going to happen if confidence in the U.S. dollar continues to decline? All that demand has to go somewhere. And what we've seen so far is there's evidence that as people look for other money alternatives, again, things that work as money, you know, the demand goes up, right? So you kind of have two halves of the value of a gold back. You've kind of got the, the melt value half and the utility half. The utility half that's like this has more appreciation potential, I think, than the melt value half. And that's what people aren't understanding. And you know what? Frankly, it's great they don't understand. If people understood this, gold backs would cost a lot more money. Um, you know, and again, I, I would rather just produce enough to meet market demand at low prices. And I'm happy to do that. You know, I'm happy to grow at kind of this organic pace that we're going at. It's really nice. It's really works well for us, but that's some of the, so that's some of the pushback that we see on gold backs. People get upset that I'm not splitting an ounce of gold into a thousand pieces for melt value. Like, well, you know, if I'm going to take an ounce of gold and split it into a thousand serialized, non-counterfeitable units, that costs money. You know, it's like, do you buy your car for melt? I mean, like, you know, as soon as you add value to something, you know, as soon as you add labor and craftsmanship into something, it adds value. And, you know, we add quite a bit here to these gold backs. And we're we're yeah. proud of being able to do it for as cheap as we do. I am wondering a little more about the appreciation potential. You've you've spoken about it before and how uh, you you think that it's possible that it might appreciate more um, than other, uh, you know, gold coins or silver. Um, sure. But I'm also wondering just about the uh, international market. If, you, if you're seeing interest internationally, especially as uh, more and more people are questioning um, the dollar, and obviously, as as we're seeing U.S. foreign policy uh, be pursued in Ukraine, um, I'm, I'm wondering if you're seeing an uptick internationally as well. Absolutely. I can track my web traffic by IP address. There, I've had a thousand hits this year from Pakistan on the goldback.com web page. I mean, people, I don't think there's a single country that has an IP address associated with it where I don't have Google searches for goldback or direct hits on the goldback.com website. You know, it's, there's a lot of interest internationally. And I know that, you know, goldbacks have already been sold on six different continents. I don't know if we sold any in Antarctica, but if I get evidence for that, I'm going to say that we sold on all seven continents. Um, now, as far as your earlier point on how I said that half the value is in kind of the gold melt value and the other half is in this utility value, We've already seen that, you know, and, and I, I brought this up, you know, once or twice in other podcasts, but, you know, when COVID hit, it was 2020. Do you remember March of 2020, how people were shopping at Costco and there's kind of this fear in the air? It was really, it was a really different experience. Like people that normally didn't think about inflation, normally didn't think about the dollar, normally didn't think, you know, they didn't really challenge the narrative, so to speak. Regular people were really scared. 
you know? And I think that part of that fear was, hey, you know, we're using these today to get our groceries. If everybody needs groceries and doesn't need these, if we all need to cash in our tokens and get commodities today, are there enough commodities to go around? And when the toilet paper shortage hit, that became a really real fear. This is worth, the dollar bill is worth money when you think you can get value for it. If you don't think you can get value for it, people get scared. And part of that utility demand for money that works fragments off and goes somewhere else. You know, you can see it in the crypto space. You could see it, you know, all over where things went up in price because dollars were looking for a safer place to go. Now, during that two weeks in 2020, kind of at the peak of the fear, we saw goldbacks, they sold out everywhere. Uh, you know, they sold out in every single location that sold them. We sold out of goldbacks because the demand was so heavy. The only goldbacks that you could buy online were on eBay. What do you think they sold for? What do you think people were actually paying for goldbacks? Care to guess? I, yeah, I, I think I would be wrong. I mean, I've looked on on eBay before, and I've seen them. Um, if they're if they're selling by themselves, currently they're around six, seven dollars. I've seen them around there. But if they're in, in packs, uh, they could range from three hundred to seven hundred. Um, but during March twenty twenty, I don't know, <laughs> fifty bucks a piece. Yeah, we were retailing them for closer to two dollars, two twenty-five, two fifty, something like that. These were selling for fifty dollars a piece, and I think that what it was is people were so scared they weren't going to have a money that worked that they'd be willing to dump all of these to yeah. get something that kept its value no matter what. It's like the end of the game of musical chairs, except there's one chair and there's like a hundred people that don't realize they're playing musical chairs. It's like you have one really nice life raft on the Titanic and all the other life rafts have, because, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm a fan of precious metals and gold coins. I would hate to be in a scenario where I actually had to spend my gold coin as money, knowing that the market's flooded with counterfeits. and I got to find a $2,000 purchase for it to make sense. That doesn't make any sense. People don't think that far ahead. The people that are starting to think that far ahead are buying gold backs and that's why we sold $6 million worth of gold backs last month. It's really, really starting to pick up. All right. Well, we're, we're going to have to let you go soon, but I am wondering, um, this is a little out there, but I'm wondering if you think uh, central banks might eventually find an interest in, in gold backs. Um, I certainly hope so. I've got all the marbles bet betting that the central banks, their main product is going to fail at some point just because it's made out of garbage. You know, or it's made out of faith and confidence that is being abused by, you know, governments. They own most of the gold, <laughs> you know. It would probably be very convenient for them if the solution, a technology like this came out. Because I think central banks know that people aren't going to circulate coins. Central banks know that people aren't going to trust a gold standard where, don't worry, we have the gold for real. That They broke that trust already. I think this is the future of currency. I think it's the future of currency all over the world. And they might not be called gold backs, but we're certainly piloting it, you know, and we'll, we'll see what happens over the next 20 to 30 years. You know, it's either that, or we're going to live in a dystopia of a central bank digital currencies and we'll see how that goes. You know, if we can fight our way out of that in the next hundred or 200 years, it'll be this. So, you know, 
<laughs> so yeah. it'll be a gold back age or a dark age. Well, hopefully we can get the word out there. Um, wh sure. Where can people find Goldbacks? Where can people find your stuff? Um, and how can people get involved? Um, we have a get involved page on goldback.com. You can sign up your business there. Uh, you can help sign up businesses in states that we're interested in. We have a Discord that we're going to come live with in, you know, like a week or so. Um, you can sign up for email updates on goldback.com. Uh, a lot of people, they like to get goldback wallets. I like to give them out as tips and gifts and try to spend them and introduce them to people as I go. I've probably introduced two or 300 people, just me, myself, spending things out of my wallet. I've introduced several hundred people to sound money um, just over the last couple of years. So it's a very powerful way for a small, dedicated group of people to spread the word. And again, you know, I see the gold back as a grassroots activist cause. It's a grassroots tool. It's something that you can do to advance sound money, you know, at an individual level, but knowing that thousands of other people are doing the same thing. And we're all on the same team, you know, we're all trying to find, you know, alternatives to this kind of dystopian hellscape that, you know, some people want to foist on us. So, yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. All right. Well, there you have it. I'd like to thank Jeremy for joining me. And as always, thanks to Dave versus Goliath for all the music you hear on Decentralized Revolution and to our producer, Simon Kelpin. And thanks to you all who are subscribed to our email list and support the pack. You can do both of those things at takehumanaction.com. And please remember to like, comment and share the podcast. And thanks for watching. And we'll we'll see you on the next show.